future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. Welcome to Future of Business, where we take you on a journey to explore the diverse range of sectors and stories embedded in the Oxford MBA cohort and beyond, and how they will shape the future of business. My name is Bartek Oganowski. And I will be hosting our conversation today with Hugh Allen, a current Oxford MBA student, previous film producer, and future media tycoon. <laughs> Welcome, Hugh. Hey, thanks. It's nice to be here. Future media tycoon sounds very <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think when we initially started talking about this podcast, um, we wanted to we wanted to do a video version of it, and I think that one day we will we, one day we will we will do this. Yeah, that'd be more of a sort of comedy stat, you know sketch show more than anything. Yeah, and if, <laughs> if if those of you that don't know Hugh, he's very charismatic. He's very uh... <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop, carry on, please. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's one he's one of those people in the class that just uh, that that bring the positivity, bring the fun. Um, always full of chirps, always full of of laughter, and that's that's what you need. And I think a lot of that is probably because of his his background in the media and entertainment space. Um, but particularly, what we we're not going to be talking only about the the glamour and all the all the shine that comes with it today, but but actually um, the real life problems that actually are encountered in 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 everyday business, not only in that world, particularly around mental health in in the workspace. Um, and Hugh's going to be taking us through a bit of a journey of of his. And of his life and and his career, where he is now, and and just some future advice. So, yeah, over to you, Hugh. Can you maybe just give us a bit of intro as to your background? You know sure. what you got, what you're busy with, etc. And how well, you find yourself in, in the seat today? Well, the hot I've, seat. I've got, I actually don't know. I find myself in the seat. I don't even know. I find myself doing an MBA. To be honest, it's all sort of like bonus round stuff. But <clears throat> my um my career, like you know, my undergrad, I, I studied drama, and and I started um after that, I moved to London and wanted to kind of work within the industry um and I started working producing theatre which then by complete luck and serendipity moved into uh into sort of more, sort of more film work um which was working primarily in sort of commercials then I ended up working across uh in advertising agencies most recently working for Apple for about two years so it's been a really sort of varied thing um you know the industry's not that uh, it's, not, it's not well structured but it's not it's, it's it's very very kind of it's a bit like the wild west although you know i would say that um but it's it's a really uh it's kind of what you make it and you john wayne uh no more, <laughs> more like gary, uh, gary cooper you know stoic but no um i uh yeah it, it's been a, a weird journey i mean the, the way i sort of describe and i know people listen to this who've heard me say it a thousand times but the way i would describe my career journey to this point is uh there's a looney tunes cartoon where bugs bunny is walking sleepwalking and he sleeps walking to this uh construction site and he finds himself at the very very top of this unbuilt skyscraper and full of metal girders and he's walking along this metal girder and just as he's about to walk off the end of it a crane comes in and another girder comes in and he manages to walk across it so it's like <laughs> complete luck there's no like you know obviously you know you the harder you work the luck you get but there is a genuine element of it's nothing is foretold it mm. just happens and you know which is great um but it's also very stressful as you can imagine yeah and I, yeah and i think that's that's what we're going to be talking about i mean uh you know luck plays a big part in 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 any industry i'm i'm sure but 
your last comment about being stressful. I mean, I know particularly in this industry, um, I know from mates of mine that have tried and tested for for decades, and mm. and some of them, you know, eventually don't make it. But um, are you talking about those pressures? Or are you talking about the pressures of, um, you, you know, can you take us through a bit of of, of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for for the majority of my career up until, I mean, actually, the job I had before I came to my MBA was the very first full time like salary job I ever had. I was freelance up until up until then. So for eight of my working years. Um, so obviously there's the, there's the pressure of, well, not pressure, but the, the stress of, you know, being freelance and also being very junior when realistically you haven't done anything is really, really difficult, but it's kind of how the industry operates. Um, because a lot of the full-time roles just pay peanuts. So there is obviously the, the practical elements of the stress of like not knowing where your next job is, or if you, if you mess something up, you might get, you know, kicked out or, or, or whatever. Um, but there's also the the for me that I, something I always found really stressful was well one not being able to deal with stress very well myself, but also how the the sort of it's very club the industry is very sort of not cliquey but if you're if you're in if you're part of the club if you've sort of as I said you know drunk the Kool Aid it can be a lot easier for you but if you don't kind of operate within that way if you don't operate in that way. It can be quite difficult, especially when you're younger, especially when you're sort of more junior, when people kind of expect you to sort of just yeah. toe the line. And, and and I've never been very good at doing that. I'm a sort of habitual line stepper. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to just to take on two of those points, we'll explore them a bit further. So drink your you know, drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, and then also you, you mentioned something about pay. And I'm assuming that's that adds to a lot of the stress and mm. pressure as, as a youngster. Yeah. Um, what what was your dream kind of going into this industry? Did you did you want to get into you know the Hollywood uh, you know become an actor? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that are thinking I want some sort of role in media mm. entertainment, but actually don't understand the realities behind it. So, one, what did you actually want to achieve? What was your dream? Uh, well, it's actually it's funny. It's changed. So it changed. I mean, when I graduated from my undergrad, I thought, oh yeah, you know, being an actor would be great. Oh, it would be great. But that's what I want to do. That's my calling. Mm. Um, and I very quickly realized that a couple of things. One, I'm in 80% of the job is not acting. It's doing the other stuff. Yeah. Two, I'm not good looking enough. Three, uh, I'm not really good enough to do it. And then I realized, and maybe this was a rationalization, that I didn't really want to do that anyway. I knew I understood that. Well, I understood the industry. I knew that I, that's what I wanted to work in. But I'm a bit too sort of, not too pragmatic, but I'm, you know, I think that the element of like the business side of show business always interested in me, interested me more. Mm. Um, and and that's kind of why I sort of pursued it. Um, and I've got a real uh, uh, recalcitrance to relying on other people. I really don't like being subservient, not subservient to other people, but being, you know, being the last to be hired, first to be dropped. I didn't want to find myself in that situation. Mm. Um uh, and I always think oh, this is getting a bit profound here, but I, th- it was really funny. I don't know when, when it was. It might have been maybe 15 years ago. Someone did a talk at the Oxford Union, keeping it relevant, and um, and they you said there, no, I wasn't there. No, because I was um, I was only 15 then, my darling. Um, I uh, <laughs> and I and they said don't do what you don't don't do what you want to in life in the sense of like what your what's your calling, what's your passion. Don't make that your kind of your reason for let's say work but do what you're good at if you do what you're good at the likelihood is you're not going to you know you're not going to hate it but you're going to excel and you're going to sort of i guess you know fulfill your potential in that sense Mm. that to me found sounded much 
you know, play to your strengths is essentially what it is. So what, so what I mean, for someone trying to get into that industry, what, what do they need to be good at? What are some of the key skills well, and competencies that are required? I think you've got to be able to, it obviously depends on your sort of role and stuff, like what you want to do. If you want to produce, you've got to be able to be, you know, have a, have a pretty solid plan, but also be able to very much throw that all out the window and, and, and think on your feet. Mm. Uh, the problem with that often is that if your if said plan doesn't go the way that you need it to, because it doesn't, like you're relying on thousands of different variables that can always change at mm. a, on a moment, and most of them are human beings, which are incredibly chaotic. <laughs> so you have you have to be able to change it. But the, what I always used to struggle with is like, I've got this plan. Okay, it's, it's falling apart. Okay, what have I got to do? Oh, I've got to get... I'm going to get chewed out for this because this hasn't worked. This has worked. And it's like, well, no, you can't. And, and what it does is it can really knock yourself confidence if you kind of put, give yourself a really hard time mm-hmm. for it not going perfectly. Um, and then what happens is when you can, when people can see that you're being a bit sort of self-detrimental, they can, people go, oh, well, then I can just feed into that and sort of not push you down, but be like, hey, you should have done better. And yeah. I got to the point where I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. So, I, yeah. what it, so what does it take, I mean, for someone to, you know, to, to withstand that pressure of the industry that's, is it um, detach an emotion from the professional working world, or is it? I mean, it, I mean, yeah. It, how do you how do you go about? I it? mean, it's really hard, man. Like I, um, when I was twenty three, I did uh, first major job I ever did. But the big thing was a Marks and Spencer's Christmas ad, um, which was shooting in July because that's how early they do them. And you dressed up as Santa Claus. I unfortunately wasn't in it, um, <laughs> but you know, I could. I, I asked. They, they said no. But, um, no, I uh, and I was kind of this super super junior, but this is enormous. I mean, the bu- budget for this was like two. It's a commercial, so it was like two million pounds, which yeah. is which is huge. Yeah. Um, twenty thirteen, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, twenty yeah, 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 twenty thirteen. And you know, we had their um, maths be business yeah. shit. <laughs> Bingo. Um, but we, I had, um, you know, and it had it had uh, Helena Bottom Carter in it and Rosie Hunter White. It had some serious serious players, and and that's obviously in a high, really really high pressure environment. I was, it was a very odd thing where basically I had a because of the budget they i had a week off and then i was coming back on to kind of carry on working on the film and i remember i had i'm going to go on a story here but so buckle up um but i well i uh, the day that the job ended i went out for dinner and i was sitting there and i felt like i had ginger ale on my brain and it was just sort of swirling around and i didn't really know what was going on what do you mean by that sorry, sorry, so that... essentially it, i sort of felt oh and the only way i can describe it is almost like there was a back of my head opened up like a window yeah. and it felt really sort of sloshy and a bit weird. And I didn't quite work yeah. out what was going on. I knew something wasn't bad, but I wasn't like, wasn't dread or anything. And then I went home and I was, my heart was racing and I was really, really hot. And I was having to lie, sort of lying in bed, like everything's okay. You're doing all right. And I realized I was like, Oh my God, I think I'm having, I've either got bloody diabetes or I'm, or I'm heart murmur or I've got, you know, whatever. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> and I went to the walking set. We have walking centers in the UK with the yeah. NHS. And I went to the walking center the next morning and um, I said to this nurse, I was like, I want you to do everything. I want you to have got diabetes. I want to see if I've got bloody, you know, irregular heartbeat. I want to see if I've got high cholesterol or whatever. And the uh, nurse looked at me and she was like, I'm going to do all these tests. And I guarantee you everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and it was, everything was fine. I had yeah. the ECG, ECG, I had this. Uh, and she was like, this is, you had a panic attack. And I was like, what? And it took me about four days to come down. I remember coming up to, I had to go to Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Fringe the day after that. And I was walking around, like my soul had left my body. And then I was walking on the Royal Mile and I had to go down an alley where it'd be sick. I was so bad. It was awful. Was it just like your whole body just felt just, tight? It, it, just, it was, well, it was like, it was, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, the only way I sort of really think about it is it's like be, it, the physical embodiment of being heartbroken. Yeah. That was a way that I could do it, where you just sort of are, you're like a husk 
Yeah. And yeah. you don't really have any control. And, and especially when you've never had it before, it's, it's terrifying. It's yeah. so scary. Um, and I remember it took me a long time to get over it after that. And I realized that, and I had never really considered anything to do with mental health or, 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 well, you know, I used to stress a lot as a kid. And I, I mean, I still stress a lot now, much less so actually since I've been on the NBA, which is hugely high, highly pressured, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But, you know, thank God for that. Um, but I always used to know that I used to put pressure on myself and I used to feel lots of stress and it used to kind of paralyze me and I ended up doing nothing, which would add to the stress, which would make me, you know. Um, but, you know, in that, it then opened up the world of like, okay, well, how do I, how do I deal with whatever's, you know, with the fact that I know that I'm, I have a propensity to panic and therefore can occasionally have panic attacks. I mean, I've only had. I was about to say, four, I mean, after that, how, how many more episodes have you had? I think of I've had maybe three or four. I actually had one. Uh, I, I went through a, a pretty uh, hectic time at the beginning of this year. Uh, and I had one in end of January. Um, and I remember sitting in class and I was, I was, our friend Izzy was sitting next to me and I said, listen, I think I'm having a panic attack. And she just took me outside and I just sat by the, <laughs> sat outside the lecture theatres, like with a thousand yard stare, mm. hyperventilating with her, just looking at me being like, you're okay, you're okay. And it's back like, to the immigrant mile. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. PTSD from the mile, yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually trying to take a joke. No, no, but it's, it's important. To, I think actually not being funny to, to talk about it as if it's some sort of dour, serious thing, like you're human beings and actually, yeah. Being able to talk about it, yeah, and be talking about it in a like, yeah, in a light-hearted way is actually really important because you want to normalise it. You don't want it to be this sort of like, oh god, this this sort of almost taboo thing about, uh, uh, you know, that 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 that, you know you you can't talk about because it's so serious. No, it it happens all the time, and we go up and down, right? You know, we're not no one's constant, (laughs) and that's um and that's so important to hear because I think I mean depending on where you come from i come from south africa and i think a lot of the times mm. it's <laughs> yeah you you always mux max and actually try travel no i'm not doing that i'm not rec- having that recorded no way <laughs> um and i think i don't know maybe it's a consequence of where you're from or, or how you brought up or whatever the case may be um but we generally didn't speak about mental health issues too too much mm. or too openly and I think particularly in the UK, or maybe particularly post-COVID in general, yeah. mental health has just become a lot more, what's the correct way of saying it, in your face. Over there without, sharply in focus. Or, or, or sharply in focus. Um, and it's important to hear more. Uh, and and it's, it's crazy because the more guest speakers we've had at Oxford, um, the more they start talking about their mental health journey and their mental health issues and how it's completely okay to go through it and 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 cover it and actually talk openly about it and seek the help that you need i mean if you've got a if you've got a broken bone you're not going to be able to run a race uh, you, you know yeah. the same way as if you've got something broken within your mind you've got to fix it and mend it and and that's why i mean that's exactly what we're talking about the conversation yeah, yeah. so again thanks for for opening up yeah, okay. you, you you mentioned you mentioned the nba um yeah. and funnily enough that your stresses have been diminished this year somewhat um my question was more on how the NBA is added to that stress, but maybe just talk a bit about about that. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a funny one because I, I'm, I'm now I'm realizing I'm realizing a, a pattern is the wrong word, but we have assess so we have a assessment weeks every <clears throat> every mod uh, not module every block of yeah. of modules we have, um, and I'm at my least stressed during assessment week, which seems ridiculous when you think about it, but I think it's more 
it's it's less chaotic. It's more like I have one thing to do, I have this time to do it, and yeah. I'm going to do it. And that to me feels actually is quite almost maybe the manageable. regimented, yeah, manageable regimented element. I don't know. Well, it's nice. We don't have classes in that week. So. Yes, yeah, exactly. So all you have to do is your assessment. Doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's it's still you know it's 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 less hectic. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, since coming to do the MBA, the one thing I would say, especially at, at, at Said, is that it's so condensed that you you kind of for me, it takes a long time because I have a very small brain to assimilate all the information. So I'll, I will realize two weeks after my first class that I've, I now know what I learned in my first class. You almost kind of like got a two week delay on your on, on one's learning for me. Um, but I think it does. The, the brilliant thing about it, really, for me, is that it you, you, you get out of it what you put in. There's no, you know, realistically, you could sit here and you could do absolutely nothing apart from turn up to class. And to be honest, you probably not turn up to class. Um, uh, you know, that's, and that that is something that is, it's not self-made, but it is very much like you put yourself under pressure to achieve what you want to achieve. There's, it's all self-led, there we are. Um, and that makes it, but I think for me, it's that, that level, that intention level makes it so much more manageable because essentially, like, well, I put myself in this position and I want to do this and that's it. And okay, fine. There come responsibilities, pressures, things within that, but you're, you're not feeling like you're sort of acquiescing to force. You are doing it voluntarily. You know, like you turned up here this morning and we're recording a podcast. No one's told you to do this. Yeah. Right? You want to do it, right? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, being... And the MBA for me, I, I think for everybody, but specifically for me, is a hugely, hugely transformative time. You know, I'm 32 this week. It Realistically, when I came to the MBA, it was... And maybe I'm being a bit self-deprecating here and everyone tells me not to be, but, you know, this was a bit of a last chance saloon for me, to be honest. I really wanted to get out of working film production. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that being here was something that would enable me to just entirely like metamorphosize, I think that's the right word, my life. And it's turned yeah. everything inside out, like every aspect of my life, personal, professional, mental, physical, romantic, whatever, all of that <laughs> stuff has been turned entirely inside out. I mean, thank God, because like, I felt like I was in a bit of a rut, but it that doesn't come for free. And so it's not necessarily like the pressures of the MBA because it's such a broad, like almost holistically nebulous sort of thing where everything, you, people change yeah. very, very quickly. And I haven't probably noticed the change in myself. And I probably won't notice until after I've left, yeah. but you notice it in other people enormously. And and other people within the MBA? Or yeah, other people? other people within the MBA. And then also when you contextualize your life outside of the MBA, you go, oh, right, okay, well, there's a big void actually between where I was and where I am now. Yeah. Um, and you volunteer for that. But it's a very odd thing that like an academic course can change every single aspect of your life when realistically on paper, you think, well, I'm just going to lectures. But no, it's the total, a complete like, not reset, but. Um, I get you. I mean, you, you just get pushed out your your normal ways of thinking, I guess. Absolutely. And absolutely. With, obviously with the global cohort and with everyone mm. coming with different views and different opinions, it's it's been it's been fascinating. It has been fascinating. Are you gonna stay in the industry? Are you gonna stay in the industry? Um, I don't know. I mean I'd like to I know I don't really want to produce anymore, but I would like I think it makes sense really to stay in that industry because I can speak the language and I understand it. And you're good at it as the uh, as goes back I, to the Oxford yeah. Union debate. Absolutely. I mean I am fantastic at everything. But <laughs> no, but I think that um the thing is the industry moves so quickly. You know, when I first joined, I thought, oh, I was like 22. And I was like, do you know what I should do? Set up a DVD company because they were making a ton of money. And then literally within two years, they were like, no, don't do DVDs anymore. I mean, realistically, it's very, very fluid and fast moving. You're getting a big intersect between tech and um, and media. I've got, and I, I've got a, the, the, the fascinating thing about Hughes that I can say one word related to tech and uh, use reaction. No, don't do it. Please don't do it. Metaverse. Oh, God. <laughs> 
just the, it's just the, oh my, oh my. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to turn up to work. I'm going to put on, the put on the goggles and now I'm in work. Like, what? Jesus. It's a sort of everyone goes like, oh my God, this is so cool. Has anyone turned around and gone like, is this ridiculous? No, of course they haven't. And that's where I come in. Anyways, we're not, we're not going to no, talk no, about the numbers yeah, today, yeah, but another um, I do think that that's quite important because, you know, the, the future of me, of the media world is not only in, in, in high tech, I guess, but you've also got to have real personalities and you've got to be able to... You've got to be able to to sustain that pressure. It isn't written. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, another good analogy, which which I, I mentioned to you earlier, is you know having so many things on in your brain and this concept of multitasking, which I think is like most of our time in the NBA, we feel that pressure of a million things on. And Hugh mentioned in the assessment week, maybe you don't because there's only one or two things to focus on. Same as like a computer, if you've got too many tabs open or too many. Um, applications open it's not going to be work it's going to be that dull but dull slowness and mm. i think that's what happens with our brains as well in terms of trying to deal with stresses and pressures and if there's too much going on you just won't be able to um you know to actually refresh until mm. you close those applications that's absolutely right i mean the other day <clears throat> every single day something's going on here and especially because we're in trinity where everyone goes like okay fine i need to i want to just say yes to everything and and to be honest, I mean, that is the right way to do it. A bit of sleep deprivation because you've spent more time with people doing different things is probably right. But there are certain times. So last Sunday, I realized I was like, I'm not doing anything. And I watched all the game, all of uh, Stranger Things and didn't didn't even leave my house. And I realized that was the first time I'd done that in maybe nine months. I was like, well, I'm watching television. Like, what was this luxury? Um, <laughs> but but it was an it was, I don't think I've watched TV. In yeah, whole, exactly. Yeah. Right. But I think there has to. But there was I realized how really beneficial that was to me. Um, yeah or being on not being on your own i'm a very very i'm a bit of a social animal as you can probably tell by everything about me um and but having even, a, by, even by his voice through a <laughs> podcast a face for radio um but i think that um the you know put, putting giving you know yourself time even though actually you're like I, every time i've tried to do it i've, I've been like i don't want to be here what am i sitting here on my own for i want to go out doing x y and z but you have to um you sometimes have to just slightly give yourself what do we say we were t- I was talking about this with our friend I think it was uh Ava the other day and we said it's better to go and have five five nights days whatever activities where you're fully present and you're you know you're, you can make the most of it than seven and you half ass all of them because and you feel like drained and crap it just doesn't yeah. it's not helpful and you know, like that balance and learning how that works is really really uh it's really important and and you kind of learn to self-regulate here that's what i've that's what i've noticed yeah. a lot and i know that this whole series of the podcast have been the future of business mm. and i know today we've taken a bit of a, a different spin on it because mm. you and I, I don't mean hugh oh. like you <laughs> one the royal we <laughs> People, you know, need to be clear-minded, focused, um, to actually be present in their jobs, to yeah. be present in their whatever their their future of them is. Yeah. From from producing films to whatever the whatever the future holds for Hugh, um, not you. Well, I'm hoping that I'm going to be king one day. So. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the next podcast we'll do from the royal palace. <laughs> But I think that's just so that's just so key that you know the, the focus is always on you as opposed to the actual business that you're going to be doing. Um, we we don't have much time left, no, and and may, yeah, I mean we uh, it's been it's been an interesting conversation. I know we can continue this after this podcast in the cafeteria. No, nope. thank <laughs> God. 
<laughs> but um, I do think that, you know, maybe on a good closing note, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are either current MBA students mm. or prospective MBA students or, you know, past MBA students. And I think everyone will be going through similar challenges in their specific industry. And no one's perfect, but yeah. with someone that's gone through high-pressure environments, has gone through and openly spoken about these panic attacks, mm-hmm. um, what is your advice? I mean, particularly, I mean, we've got, we've got two strong male characters sitting on this chair. Silverbacks, yeah. <laughs> Future kings. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, but um, yeah. you know, for anyone, and particularly males, if, if, we, if we're discussing that, um, what is your advice to them to to handle themselves in in the future? I genu- genuinely think, and I've and I've kind of come to this conclusion since being here. We've got this um mental health and well being Telegram group is talking about it, and I know that that actually sounds so simple, but actually it's so hard, especially for men. And I'm not here being like I am a pioneer of vulnerability, but but equally I am very okay with talking about how I feel. Uh, oh, well, because <laughs> all I do is talk, but I'm very okay with talking about how I feel and and. And saying, you know, today was crap, or I didn't feel like this, or this was really bad, and kind of because it doesn't. Uh, me, I've been sitting around feeling like I'm just miserable. I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. Like my best self is to just talk about it, and it doesn't need to be like you know. Obviously, having therapy is super important, but talking about it with with your friends, with people around you, you can talk about. I mean, in theory, depending on your industry, and you know, I only know my own really. Mm. You can talk about it with people you work with. You can talk about it with your, you know, realistically to be open and transparent about it makes it so much easier. It takes the pressure out because it's what it does is it goes, okay, I feel this way. You don't add the thing on top of it of like, I have, the, I feel this way, but I can't show it. I shouldn't talk about it. It's going to make me look weak. It's going to make me look this. Yeah. And that internal, what they used to call psychomachia, you look that one up later, that is a really, <laughs> um, that thing is really, 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 really important to just dispel talking about it is absolutely fine and and then you can also help and what happens is it becomes a symbiotic thing where you go and help other people yeah. having that dialogue around it where you just it's an open you're an you're an open book it's open and available also takes the power away from it um you know i was my favorite thing that i've ever read one of my favorite things i've ever read is that anxiety is just conspiracy theories about yourself when you contextualize it like that, it makes you go, yeah, actually, this is total rubbish. And and obviously, it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean you don't feel it. But what it does is it just means, okay, what's going to happen? You're going to get sacked? Probably going to get another job. You know, it's not so much like, not everything is life and death. Yeah. Although, you know, 9% inflation rate in this country, jabbering into a recession, not looking good. Conversely, <laughs> um, I, I the next part yeah. of the recession <laughs> in the UK. No, I just, what I mean is, is that like, what I've learned really is that life, life goes on, stuff happens. And if you retrospect, you, you will retrospectively look at your life and all the stuff you're worrying about today, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, probably actually just completely inconsequential. And then if you can kind of take a step out and don't be so in it and, you know, try and see the wood for the trees and just look big picture. It yeah. to- I mean, that's the, honestly the thing that has helped me the most Amazing. this year. Anyways, uh, folks, that's all we have for today. And we just want to thank Hugh very much for, for being here and giving up his, his time. I know he's got a lecture now. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> but um, that's all from the Future of Business. And for, for more, stay tuned and uh, follow our pages. And we'll hear from you soon. Thanks, one.